0: Now it's our turn to uh, sorry for the words, but put our balls on the table. How do you like that map folks, And after 22 years, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph Foster locked into the Mile High Hockey Podcast for whatever tomorrow is, March 7th, 2016. Coming up on the show, um, playoff picture is becoming more and more clear. Colorado's struggling to play with the lead several times um and then the impacts of some recent avalanche trade targets but before we play the whoosh I need to introduce my disembodied voice alongside myself for the week say hello once again to ryan murphy howdy howdy hello so shall we start with the trades or shall we start with the games
1: games first
0: games first all right let's do it On Tuesday, the Avs fall 6-3 to the Minnesota Wild, although goals 4-6 did all come in the third, so that's a misleading score. Avs goals from McGinlaw on the power play, Cody McLeod, and his first NHL goal, Chris Begrok, congratulations there. The defense allowed two odd-man rushes and a breakaway in the first period, and Varley could stop exactly none of them. So we saw Pickard come in, and we did see Avalanche come back in the second to make it a game once again, so that was encouraging. This has been several days ago, so I honestly don't remember what happened in the third. It all just (laughs) fell apart, if I remember right.
1: Yeah, you know, and uh, it's classic Avalanche, I guess. But you got to be aggressive in those games. You have to try to win, and uh, it's it's become a pattern, you know, the last couple of games here. We're kind of selling out for uh, goals and not getting them, unfortunately.
0: And then... The Avs win 3-2 over the Florida Panthers on Thursday. Landeskog scores on the power play. Matt Duchesne gets the eventual game winner. And uh, Mikkel Blotker, spoiler, gets his first hit in Avalanche uniform. Uh, The third period saw Calvin Pickard face 24 shots. 24. He stopped all of them, but 24. Dude.
1: (laughs) I believe that was an Avalanche record, they said? Yep. For shots in a period?
0: Yep, I remember that too.
1: Um, I wish he didn't have to break that record,
0: but congratulations, I guess.
1: Yeah, uh, good for you, Calvin. He
0: stood tall in a big way, and his team really needed it. Those uh, those two points are a big deal to keep them tight in the playoff race. Uh, then on well, Saturday, against against uh, Yager, All right. <laughs> and whoever else is on Florida, I don't know they. They're having good results this season, but I still don't know who plays for
1: them. Uh, you know, Barkov looks good. I mean, he definitely looks like he belongs in that draft class, which is turning out to be one of the better ones in recent times. Uh, and defenseman. Uh, I mean, I think that team looks great. I mean, they're first place right now, but uh, I think they're built for the future, too, with or without Yager. Uh And you know what? He might be a fixture in the future, too. Who knows?
0: Uh, he's got to, He's surely got to play on as many teams as he possibly can. Yeah. You don't, I don't know if he stays anywhere more than a year. We'll see. Uh, then on Saturday, the Avs fall 5-2 to the Nashville Predators, two of those five being into an empty net, so another misleading score. And uh, the Avs took a lead into the third of this one as well. Blake Como and Landeskog score for the Avs. Um, so uh. I think we see a pattern here. We do I think we've seen terrible these,
1: third periods?
0: We've seen this pattern all year long. Um, just awful play with the lead.
1: Yep, it's uh, it's becoming a rote subject to discuss, really. I mean, you can only hammer on it for so long, but this team switches strategies very clearly with a lead, even just a one goal lead. And sometimes they win, like the game in Florida, you know, sometimes your goalie can stop 24 shots in the period. Other times, you're not. You're going to give up four goals like they did against Nashville.
0: And uh, so I got I got tired of just talking about it and uh, actually put some numbers behind it. I guess that was yesterday. I don't know. It's been kind of yeah. a long, long and strangely timed last few days for me. Um, when playing with the lead relative to their... Normal shot differentials, Colorado are the fourth worst, meaning... every team does worse in the shot differential department when they have the lead. Um, but sure. Col- but Colorado does the fir- fourth worst relative to where they already are. Uh, which isn't good. Other teams in that neighborhood include a bunch of giants like Ottawa and Columbus and Philadelphia. <laughs> and then when you look specifically leading in the third period, Colorado are fifth worst. Um... Alongside Carolina, Philadelphia, Calgary, uh, LA are all, actually also down there, but the shot generation part of it is uh, mostly the culprit. There, they mostly quit shooting, but they still they don't give up a whole lot more shots.
1: Right, just a bit of differential.
0: Same for Ottawa. Actually, Ottawa give up. Or Ottawa take like eighteen fewer shots per sixty with the lead in the third.
1: Right. Well, what was it uh, last month or two months ago? They are in the second period with the lead, so they're evolving. <laughs> uh,
0: two months ago, they were, like, relative to their normal shot differential, they were the worst team with the lead, and it wasn't close. So either other teams have caught up or they have made some improvements, but if they've made improvements, they're not visible ones. Right. Because it's still the same story. It's still the same, okay, we have the lead, so we're going to manage the game by not letting shots through. We're going to stop them with our shins and then throw the puck out and hope we can change.
1: Right, and hope Tyson Berry doesn't get his tibia broken on a puck, Just standing in front of it and limping off.
0: Hope Francois right. Beauchemin's body can take the, the abuse, which I would, uh, I would say it probably has not.
1: Um, yeah, I'd bet on him. I mean, <laughs> that guy's pretty invincible. Uh, they're throwing as many minutes as they possibly can at him and, uh, you know, seems to be performing all right.
0: No, nah, not lately. He's He's been heading downhill pretty steadily as the season has gone on, and this has been a worry that a lot of us had at the beginning of the year was that we liked the Beauchemin deal because he was playing well, but we also saw him fall off pretty hard the season before with Anaheim because he was getting played 26, 27 minutes a night. Um, right. When he's getting uh, paid, he's getting, what, 24, 25 or so now and blocking the most shots in the league.
1: Which is unacceptable. I mean, you can't do that to him. Not if you want his best performance. You know, I, I say he's performing all right, only in relation to, I guess, my expectation, which was that he would be played too much and that he would have struggles with too many minutes on the ice.
0: It's definitely a problem that uh, was not hard to see coming. So it's a little right. bit discouraging.
1: They don't have a lot of options, you know. Uh, you don't have another defenseman that you can plug in there, and uh, you know that's the state of the team. Unfortunately, is that you don't have these young defensemen in your system ready to take on that role.
0: Yeah, I mean and that's why I am a little bit slow to use words like unacceptable with Boshman's situation because, like, the, the problem is that you don't really have that other guy right now. Unless you right. want to make Barry's pairing your top pairing, and I don't think you want to do that.
1: Nope, can't do that to Nick Holden either.
0: Um, Eric Johnson has started to look a little better lately, though. Had a real rough go of it coming back from his injury, but he has been looking better recently.
1: Right. And you know what? The third pairings looked pretty good in the last week, too. And uh, we've seen Chris Begra, who is a player that the team needs to become important but he's led the team in shot differential, you know, uh, obviously a limited role. He's not taking a lot of face off still, and it's mostly neutral or offensive zone. But uh, the fact that he can carry Botterchuk, uh and, you know, lead the team in shot differential, I think two out of the last three games was, uh, you know, encouraging.
0: Yeah, I was laughing at with AJ on Twitter during the last game about a play Chuck made because it was like the most Rocket League play we'd ever seen in the National Hockey League. It was like the puck squirts by and you just scramble to get back as fast as possible, but he scrambles back so hard that he overshoots where he's going and still gets burned anyway. Pickard made a save on the play, but it was hilarious. And not in a good way.
1: (laughs) Can't fault him for effort, though.
0: Yeah, he, he sure but, got yeah. back, and then he went all the way to the corner, and we're like, where are you going?
1: <laughs>
0: there's, Overcommitted. There's no one to defend over there. So, um, speaking of the third pairing, we saw a new Avalanche uh, defender on the third pairing very briefly. And that would right. be acquired from New Jersey for a third-round pick drumroll, Eric Jelinas, and he then injured his back, apparently, and is no longer playing.
1: Yeah, he didn't have a very good game, so at least now we have a reason to uh, explain it, but uh, I think that's more of a future move for the Avalanche, and you know, we didn't get to talk about the trade deadline a whole lot because it occurred the day after our podcast last week, but you know, that's a player that I, I believe they want to give a tryout to next year more than anything. I think it's it's going to take a little time for him to really ingratiate himself to the Avalanche system.
0: Yeah. Um, he is a younger guy. He's still got a year left on an RFA contract. He's, what, 24? 24, I think. Yeah. I, th- I believe 24 is right. Um, so picking him up for a third round pick in 2017 is not a rental. And it should help. The defense moving forward, if as if he can play like the team expects him to be able to play, then it pushes guys further on down the depth chart. It pushes down your Bodner Chucks.
1: Correct. To a seventh defenseman role, which he's pretty well suited for. <laughs> Not further down, but... You know, they like him on the power play. Um, I mean, He's got a big shot. We didn't get to see his big shot on the power play. I think we're all still looking for that. But, uh... It... You know he's a bigger defenseman. I think they'd like him to play more physically. I think that was the New Jersey's main complaint about his game that he doesn't play up to his size and i you know I think Patrick Wall would like to get that out of him eventually. I don't think it's necessarily we're going to see it this year. I mean we're pretty far along, and it's just not a a great time to acclimate a new defenseman to a system that's already uh chaotic. <laughs>
0: That makes him an odd pickup for me because we know Patrick Waugh loves his bigger guys, but if they don't play big, then, you know, it's just kind of a weird pickup for me because if you're not using your size, you just happen to be big.
1: Right. So. You know, and maybe he gets there. I mean, if we can credit Patrick Waugh as a coach to any particular, one particular thing, it's uh, he's a pretty decent motivator. And I think he's gotten a lot out of players that he. He thinks he can raise to another level. And he's gotten players to play rather physically for him.
0: We'll we'll see what happens there when Jelenas comes back um, to the roster. Um, But we do have another real blockbuster of a trade to mention. And that, of course, is uh, Marc-Andre Klitsch going to the Islanders in a minor league deal. Blockbuster. But no, we we bid adieu once again to Alex Tangay. He heads to not Phoenix. Um, pro- very possibly to close his career out. He uh, has just seemed to not have it all season long. So it was, it was nice that he could add an, a really sick little goal in, in the Stadium Series game on on last Saturday to kind of write off with.
1: Yep, it was it was good to see. And then he, he went did. to Arizona
0: and automatically started scoring.
1: <laughs> Naturally.
0: That was pretty
1: know, silly. Like a lot of other deadline deals, actually. Uh, deadline players have performed rather well for their team so far.
0: Spalling and Mathias with, in the game last week, <laughs> scoring know. back-to-back in Colorado San Jose.
1: Natural scores, those guys.
0: Yeah, I don't think anybody's going to be upset about losing 2016 Alex Tange for Mikkel Bodker.
1: No, but uh, emotionally, I think Avalanche fans can feel something about that. You know, I think that we all would have liked to have seen Alex Tangay close his career out with the Colorado Avalanche in, you know, an honorable fashion, you know, uh, semi-productive at least. Um, the reality is that, you know, this is how careers end. You know, it's, it's never with a Stanley Cup victory very often. It's not, you know, leading the team in scoring generally. I mean, you go out with a whimper. I mean, that's how you know.
0: Well, how long has Brooks like been the good soldier over in Washington? And then, as they finally have a not just a cup contender type of season, a cup favorite type of season, he gets flipped to of all places Toronto. Like, that that really sucks for that dude. But that's just the way that it works.
1: Yep. Business.
0: Um. The
1: other. No, one... oh, go ahead. I, don't know. I mean, you just you have to remember that it is a job for these guys first and foremost. You know, uh, emotionally, I think we all like to see them. or We we want to believe that they're playing to win. But, uh, you know, they're making a good living.
0: That they most certainly are. Um, The other two pieces of this deal, of course, are Avalanche prospects, Connor Bleakley and Kyle Wood. I just wrote Wood. It's Kyle Wood, right? Yeah. Yeah. Connor Bleakley and Kyle Wood. Um, Bleakley has has had his uh, up-and-down season in junior pretty well documented as well as his being called out by uh by wafer for being out of shape at one of the training camps a couple of seasons ago um you get the feeling that the the wa sacking front office was never too enamored with the guy um probably was a big reason that rick Precy's is no longer with the organization
1: right you know and he was their first draft pick you know it's Hard to believe, really, because they've given up on him so easily, but mm-hmm. that was their front office's draft pick. Um, not under the current scouting director, as you just mentioned, but uh, I find the entire situation disappointing. And I like the player that they got back, um, I even if it's just for a few games, uh, because he is a <laughs> rental. But uh, giving up on Connor Bleakley is difficult for me in general.
0: Do, I, do you wonder if it's more the the player's game or the player's attitude that they gave up on?
1: I think it's more of an attitude thing. I, I, like you mentioned already, I, he did not make a good first session of the team. And I guess it goes a long way. Um, you know, I, I think his game could have been useful in Colorado. I think they really, really could have used that kind of center in San Antonio next year. I think he would have been really, really useful for them. and. I think the player's decent as well. He was not having a good season in his overage year. He was not dominating like I think they expected him to.
0: Like an overage player uh, in general is expected to.
1: Exactly. And, but, you know, he had a slow start. I think he was coming on more in the end. And I think really his injury, uh, what was a broken leg?
0: I don't remember what the injury was, but I remember thinking I think that's going to be tr- tough to recover from.
1: Right, I I think they may expect him back for the postseason. uh, Anyway, that didn't do him any favors.
0: It made his season rougher, um, so I guess that you could see it in that way. Um, Mm -hmm. It'll be interesting to see what the Coyotes organization does with Connor Bleakley, um, and it'll be interesting to track the career path of Kyle Wood as well.
1: It is. And Kyle Woods, you know, doesn't get a lot of mention, you know, uh, among our online communities, but he was having a pretty decent season, too. He was nearly a point per game player as a defenseman.
0: But what does this he leave us? I, what does this leave us from the 2014 draft pick now? Or his draft class?
1: Um, Antel? <laughs> is that it? <laughs>
0: uh, that is he with the Ruin Naranda baby abs?
1: He is. The Ruin. Um, Avalanche. ruin
0: ruined the Ravs.
1: Let's just bring that up just for fun, but it's not a lot. And it'd be easy to dismiss giving up on a first and third round draft pick from 2014 if it was from the previous regime, but, you know, these were ultimately Patrick Waugh and Joe Sackett's draft picks. And, uh, I'm not sure i completed my thoughts on the subject yet, but I, I think that's awfully disappointing. I think it's a, a pretty big roadblock probably in coming years, at least a speed bump.
0: I see it as both an indictment of the staff that they still had at the time, of of the right. way that they, like, not an indictment in general, but an indictment from Saka Gunwa. Um, an, an indictment of the Rick Pricey drafting office, we'll call it. Mm-hmm. And also I see that at, see it as them really taking a good look at what they were doing at the time and seeing that it was deeply flawed. Uh so hopefully they can see that about their issues with the lead right now because we're seeing Patrick Waugh say things like we played a good forty minutes as often as Joe Sacco would say we didn't start the game on time.
1: <laughs> True
0: but Mikkel Bodker has uh, joined alongside with uh, some really good avalanche forwards and has benefited to the tune of a, of one goal. I think he's had at least an assist or two, right?
1: One assist. I'd have to look back on that. But, you know, I think he's been a productive player. That line's been really good.
0: His speed is pretty good as a compliment to that line. Um, and his... Uh, his power play ability has been very helpful as well.
1: It is, even uh, though
0: the power play maybe. I mean, I, I was gonna say it maybe doesn't score, but I mean, it, we saw one on Tuesday.
1: Yeah, uh, we've seen Patrick Wah put him kind of in the uh, Mikhail Grigorenko spot. Right. Sort of the uh, the guy who's making the passes from the half boards there, and uh, you know he's been effective enough so far. I think the avalanche power plays look decent. If it has not gotten, you know, perfect results yet, it's been decent.
0: I do want to go ahead and while we're kind of in a, in a topic break, I want to go ahead and apologize for the noises in the background. My dogs are not staying still <laughs> a little restless. Right. Um, it's yeah. a li- it's ridiculously windy out. The washing machine's going. They're not happy. <laughs> um, so that's the Avalanche trade deadline completely covered. How do you feel about giving up uh, prospects for what is a rental in Mikkel Bodker?
1: Well, I think it, he's a player that the team would probably consider signing. And I think just like the Carl Soderberg trade, I think they want first shot at it. I think they value having the opportunity to try him out with the team and get to make the first offer um i'm not sure it works i think he does go to free agency but
0: uh i think he'd be crazy not to
1: absolutely yeah it's interesting because his production isn't that of a player that wants to get that should be paid six million dollars a year but you never know as a free agent i mean that's the kind of money you might see
0: if anybody pays Michael bodker six million dollars i think it's n- bad
1: Well for that team, absolutely.
0: So what wouldn't be us. Um you know
1: You think he's four and a half, five million
0: I I think that Um The easiest way I can think of to put it is that I would not Um sign Michel Bodker at free agency. Not because he's not a useful player, but because unless the market that we're expecting for him comes way down, you're not going to get the value that that money demands.
1: Mm-hmm. I think I agree. It's just, it's tough. I think he's been very useful to the Avalanche, but not for that price point.
0: Um, which leads us into the whole philosophical side of this argument, which is, what is this team doing trading prospects, even if it is prospects that they have been pretty clearly planning to give up on, for a rental? They're outside of the playoff spot, and we're going to get into this in a minute, but they have a real uphill battle to get into it.
1: Right. they got to start winning games. You know, I think they have a mandate for management to start winning. I think, uh, you know, Cronky is not interested in a lottery draft pick anymore. They're not interested in building more to the future at the expense of the present. And uh, I'm fine with that. I think this team should be winning right now. I think they've got good enough players to where they should be in playoff contention. And I think they should be ahead of Minnesota right now, and they're not. And you're right, they've got work to do. But, uh, you know, you want a third-round draft pick, you want a fourth-round draft pick to turn into players like... You know, Matthias. That's what you're hoping for. If you can get any useful production in the NHL out of a third round draft pick, you're coming ahead, coming out ahead.
0: Yeah, I'm as like I said on the round table on Mile High Hockey. Um, the the fourth round pick for Matthias, even if it's just as a rental, seems like fair value to me because mm-hmm. that's that's about the expected lifespan of a fourth round NHLer. Should he get there? Right. Um, so I I feel like. A, a rental of a third liner from Matthias for a fourth round pick. You don't want to make a habit of it because you want to have your picks. But right. I'm not going to get too up in arms over one of those deals. Um, it's it's not, you know, whatever they gave up for Brad Stewart,
1: right? And uh, even the third rounder for Eric Jelena, I.
0: And it's not the third rounder being next season makes that one cool with me.
1: It does, and the fact that you're getting an entire year of service from an NHL player, it, I mean, it, you could debate whether or not he's a good NHL player, but the fact that he can get there makes that a useful. Uh, it's, it's just a good use of that, that pick.
0: Yeah. I would definitely balk at that deal if it was this season, only because they already don't have the fourth.
1: Right. And, uh, you know, spread it out.
0: Yeah, you you want to have you don't want to go several rounds without a pick just because you you need to have some of those mid round picks pan out. You need to have Tyson Berry appear. Correct. And uh, if you don't give yourself that option, then, well, obviously. So losing a fourth this year and a third next year for the uh, rental of Matthias in a year plus of Jelenas. plus he's an RFA, so it's his rights into the future, which is mm-hmm. cool. Right. I mean that's. I'm good with it. It's the idea of prospects for what is 100% a rental. Which prospects? Okay. But you're struggling to make wildcard two right now. Mm -hmm. And you're picking up a rental.
1: Right. Well, um, I mean, the debate I think centers around whether or not you can teach winning by losing. And I think Patrick Waugh would like to see this team get a taste of success. I think he wants to see him in the playoffs every year.
0: So I, I do want to be clear that I'm not, like, trying to advocate a tank here. It's definitely way too late, and the team is definitely way too good for that. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't a Maple Leaf situation where they've sold off all their talent. This isn't a Sabre situation where they never had any talent to begin with. Um, what I'm saying is, I, is Bodker the guy who's going to get you into the playoffs? I, I probably <laughs> not. not. so, no. I, I don't believe so. I believe that he makes them marginally better. Um, but they don't need marginally better in their forward core.
1: Right. You know, um, it, it, he is a complimentary player. I think it allows the team to have three really good wines. And a really, probably a better fourth line than a lot of teams. Um, But this team is going to win or lose with the players that they already had. And I think that's that's kind of what you're alluding to as well. This team's getting into the playoffs when Varlamov is, you know, an elite goaltender. When Matt Duchesne's scoring goals and Gabriel Landeskog's been playing like he has. Uh, Nathan McKinnon's living up to his draft status. Uh, that's the reason they're going to get in the playoffs.
0: I definitely think that I agree with that, um, be, which is obvious because I just kind of said the same thing.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> and so my my feeling on that is, I mean, it, it's cool that you swapped out Tange for Bodker, but you also had to give up some prospects to do it. Uh, one of them, your main problem with being... Um, apart from a rough overage year, that maybe the attitude's not awesome. Uh, people grow up, Dude. and to so. to give up on a couple of those guys because I, because you can make a tiny upgrade that's not going to make the difference whether you get into the playoffs or not when it's already an uphill battle to get there. Uh, that doesn't make me feel good.
1: Yeah, you know, I I may feel differently about that. Um, I I would like to see this team making pushes to win, and it it excites me that they're willing to take some risks in order to do it. Um, because I think perpetually rebuilding just doesn't work. Uh, there's a lot of teams in every sport that get in this mode where it's it's going to happen tomorrow. It's going to happen tomorrow. It's going to happen tomorrow again, and it just you don't build success with younger players by losing and i want them pushing towards that playoff spot even if it's unlikely at this point because they're not playing all that great um i still want them making that effort
0: so i think we've pretty much crushed that topic yep uh, ground it into powder and spread it into the dirt mm-hmm. so um as we move on to uh the next part of what should well, it'll probably be one of our shorter episodes of the season just because, like, the only way that I could see us filling out an entire hour today is if we sit here and do a freaking eulogy of the season and just go full Chicken Little. Right. Um,
1: Which shouldn't happen. You know, um, there's still quite a bit of probability that they should be winning at the moment.
0: There's still a decent chance that they can get that spot back. Um, as the playoffs sit right now today... Um, Colorado, or Colorado, fuck me, that's a brutal mistake. Minnesota are playing right now, and they are getting trashed by the Blues. It's 2 nothing in the first, um, but that is still the first. That's a pretty important loss for them to take, so it, it just... It, that's their game in hand. Yeah, it makes you want to puke to say that the Blues need to win this game, but that's what needs to happen. Yep. Um, as, as we stand right now with the, with one game in hand, Minnesota have a two-point advantage. <clears throat> So, losing regulation, please. Yes, please. What else is going around? The, going on around the league today? Is that our only one that matters? Looks like it.
1: Yep. I don't think we're catching Nashville anymore. Nope. Nashville's hot.
0: Nope, they're gone.
1: Yep. Seven and three uh,
0: in the last ten. Our team's uh, dangerous too. Who wants yeah. to play Nashville? Well, um, I mean, you can think that, but. They've also been dangerous to themselves, because Pecorine has just not been who people think Pecorine is.
1: Uh, Yeah, but he has been the last 10 or 11 games.
0: I don't know. Even in a 5-2 win against the Avalanche on Saturday, we were seeing him, like, not complete glove saves. He was knocking the puck down with his glove. He was dropping it.
1: Right. He's just a little bit off. Which will happen, but... You know, uh, no regulation losses in the last 11 games. I mean, that's uh, as good as almost everybody in the league outside of uh, Anaheim. Anaheim's been winning a lot.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. It turns out they didn't actually forget how to play hockey.
1: Right. (laughs) Turned it around. Probably saved a lot of jobs in the process.
0: Yeah. Imagine if uh, Anaheim had done what everyone in the media wanted him to do and fired Boudreaux.
1: Which is ridiculous. People love overreacting to small sample sizes. And, you know, it was a good portion of the beginning of the season, but this is a good playoff hockey team still.
0: So, as we look ahead, um, we see that Colorado's schedule includes a lot of playoff teams. We've got a four-game road trip coming through Canada soon where we play a bunch of non-playoff teams because it's in Canada. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Who have no playoff teams. (laughs) And who seem unlikely to have playoff teams.
1: We're Canadians.
0: Because Edmonton are bad. Vancouver are bad. Calgary are bad. Winnipeg are not good. Toronto are Toronto. Ottawa are bad. And Montreal fell off the world. Mm Mm-hmm. Montreal are not as bad as, as this.
1: They're not, and they should be better. But I think at this point in the season, I think they realize they could probably get a decent draft pick that'll really, really help out this core.
0: I remember that year that they were like just completely unnecessarily bad for one year, and then they picked up Alex Galchenyuk and went right back to the playoffs the next year. Right. Like, this is the same damn thing. Right. Watch them win the draft lottery, pick up Austin Matthews, and then be right back in the playoffs next season mm-hmm. with a full year carry prize.
1: <laughs> exactly. Which, uh, again, illustrates how important goaltending is, and Colorado needs some.
0: So uh, not not to give away our coming up next week segment, but let's uh, let's look at the Avalanche upcoming opponents. I see Arizona, Anaheim, Winnipeg. Uh, Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, Philadelphia. And then Minnesota, Nashville, St. Louis, Washington, St. Louis, Nashville, Dallas, Anaheim. Ow.
1: <laughs> not an easy schedule. you got to earn it.
0: That's going to be... It's not an easy schedule, I think, understates it. I think this is a rough schedule.
1: Yep. And, uh, you know, even in a vacuum... I think the Avalanche have an uphill battle because I think Minnesota's a decent team, and I think they're motivated after firing a coach, and uh, it's going to be difficult anyway. Um, fortunately, they're playing a lot of these teams too, and uh, fortunately the NHL's you know, constructed a schedule with a lot of division games late, and the best division in hockey is the Central.
0: Minnesota have a lot of games that... It's because Colorado's out-of-division games are still pretty rough. It's still the San Jose's and things like that. The Washington's. Minnesota's schedule that they have left. Edmonton, Montreal, Ottawa, New Jersey, Carolina, and then Chicago, L.A., and then Calgary, and then us, and then Chicago, and then Ottawa again, and then Detroit, who have points above their head, and then Winnipeg, San Jose, and Calgary.
1: Yep, I think the Avalanche need these teams to be resting some players or not trying very hard towards the end.
0: (laughs) The I mean, the avalanche are already in a position where they need help. And when you change how much help they need, it gets less and less likely given the opponents that they face versus the opponents, the wild face.
1: You know, it's going to be tough. Um, The avalanche need Semyon Varlamov to bounce back and have one of those 10 game stretches. I mean, it just has to happen. I think the offense is in a pretty decent place right now. I think they're going to have, a, you know, a couple stretches of games where they're very productive.
0: Austin, are you listening to this somehow? Austin Manik on Twitter at Costigan just said, Devin Dubnik may very well be the Avs MVP down the stretch.
1: That is another excellent point.
0: That's exactly what needs to happen for Colorado to make the playoffs. Yep. I swear, oh. this dude is sniping our recording of MHH Pod somehow.
1: <laughs> right, and uh, another common Twitter argument at the moment is that Calvin Pickard is, you know, going to come and save the day, and I'm not sure I'd rely on that either.
0: He's been good.
1: He's been good, but uh, we've also. Seeing that he's not gonna be, he's not gonna wear a cape into the locker room.
0: I don't know. He did make twenty four saves in the third period against Florida.
1: Right. But you know, uh, he he is merely mortal, as we saw against Nashville. <laughs> you know. Uh, he's just he's a. I think he's a good goalie. I just don't think he has the upside of Semyon Varlamov.
0: Well, that remains to be seen. Um. Yep. He definitely hasn't shown the athletic kind of saves that, that Varlamov makes, um, but what Pickard does is just sneaky. It is. He plays the Alaire goaltending to a T, and that was already his style coming in. So it's it's excellent that he has such a complimentary goaltending coach. Mm-hmm. He never makes the flashy save because he never has to.
1: He does get aggressive though. I mean, he pushes out hard. Well, yeah, he and cuts the tough.
0: angle down, so the save is oh, easy. He
1: does. Just a very efficient goaltender. I, I Don't get me wrong, I love Pickard. I think he's an excellent second goalie on this team. But uh, another player that's not going to be the reason that the Avalanche make the playoffs this year. Uh, going forward, you know, maybe you look at trying to shed Varlamov's salary for Pickard if you like him.
0: Depends on the the track that Varlamov's career takes. Keita, can you not depends on the, the, the trajectory that Varlamov's career takes from here. I mean, it's entirely possible that with, with goalies being voodoo, he could t- turn in another Vezina season. Right. And it's also possible that he could never turn in another one again.
1: True. And he's at an age where, you know, anything's possible. Goalies do fall off cliffs, you know, for unexplainable reasons. But, uh, you know, is he 28 now, I guess? Uh, yeah. I think good question. T- I think he turned 28 this year, but you know, it's just, uh, look at Ryan Miller, you know, is just the greatest goalie on the planet for a little while, and now he's just a guy, you know, who has good games. Don't get me wrong, but he's just not a world beater anymore. At, what, Boy, three?
0: he's no Roberto Luongo, eh, Vancouver fans?
1: Ugh. Lucky. <laughs>
0: Boy, he's no Corey Schneider, is he?
1: Oh, Vancouver.
0: So, following what is another very abrupt break, because of vocalizing dogs, um, Pickard has a higher chance of making the Avalanche make the playoffs than Bodker does, I would say.
1: Uh, yeah, uh, the Avalanche are entirely dependent on goalie play.
0: <laughs> Not a good place to be.
1: Yeah, yet it's the place they're in, unfortunately, and uh, as the goalies go, so will the Avalanche.
0: When you're already the worst shot differential team in the league by a wide margin, the last thing you need is to be ahead all game, giving up way more shots than you usually do. Because, ow.
1: Right. Well, um, one thing that's probably worth touching on is the Avalanche have been better at generating shots and suppressing shots in the last week, week and a half or so. They have uh, been
0: shooting more. That's they have that's, been for, shooting. that's for sure. They've been and, better in the neutral zone. Um, and you mentioned the play of Duchene and Landeskog. Duchene maybe not getting the goals the last couple of games, um, except the for the play. just Ooh. the one. He's but he's been fantastic, and Landeskog, specifically on the penalty kill, has been outstanding.
1: Yeah. And uh, skating the puck through the neutral zone, man, he's strong on his skates right now.
0: Landeskog has been the guy who, uh, just kind of breaks up the little pass from D to D, and then he rushes up the neutral zone with it, and then he's gotten caught because he's Landis caught. He's not super fast. But mm-hmm. then he takes the puck into the corner, and he protects it, and kills another 10, 15 seconds. It's just, he's been a big key to why the Avalanche penalty kills had so much success in the last couple of weeks.
1: Right. And they're deep now, too. Uh, I mean, they've got three penalty-killing pairings, you know, forward pairings that are just fantastic. I mean, uh, it's a real strength of the team.
0: So what else do we have to talk about this week?
1: Uh, I don't know. At you got to start winning. <laughs> yeah, it's Just, it's that time of the year. It's make or break. You've got the opportunity, it's out in front of you. Go seize it.
0: Go do it. Please. Who do they do it against this week? Um, on Monday, Colorado welcome the Arizona Coyotes. Um, at 7 o'clock, and that is a national game that is on NBC Sports. So look forward to the uh, Alex Tangay hat trick on NBC Sportsnet. Followed up on Wednesday with the Anaheim Ducks. That is a home game that it is at 8 o'clock on Altitude, thanks to NBC's exclusivity agreement. Please stop playing on Wednesday nights. And then on Saturday, the four-game road trip that we mentioned earlier through Canada begins Um, against the Winnipeg Jets. That's at 5 o'clock on Altitude 2, the Ocho. (laughs) So those are two teams that are not that good and one team that has won all 10 of its last 10 games.
1: Hottest team in the league. And you know what? They're due for a loss now. That's what that makes them. I think the Avalanche should be happy to give... The Ducks, their first loss in, what, 10-11 games here?
0: I wouldn't be opposed.
1: Oh, um, And you know what? They play the Ducks well. I think they match up decently. Uh, I think Patrick Watt loves the way they play. I think he loves their roster. And uh, I think he's trying to model the Avs after what they do. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> I could see that. Avs are big this year, you know? Uh, I think they match up well with Anaheim. I think... The Avalanche are a far better team than the Coyotes are, and they need to win that game, and I think they're better than the Jets, too, even though they kind of struggle sometimes to get those wins. But I think these are three very winnable games, and I think they need to win all three.
0: Yeah. Um. Here's where my worries are with each game. Um, games that Colorado play against the Coyotes are so dull. <laughs> it's just dreadful. And Colorado do not fare well in dull, low-event games.
1: They do not.
0: The pace needs to open up. They need to be able to have an extended shift or two, but mainly you're looking for it to be opening up, back and forth, um, not having a neutral zone gummed up on you because they don't move the puck out of their own zone very well. So right. I have what concerns they there. One
1: have, I think, is uh, they're playing it at home. Patrick Law's got last change. He can get some matchups. Tepet's uh, just a great coach, and... He knows how to beat the avalanche. I think the one saving grace that they have is the got last change.
0: And then the Ducks on Wednesday, the concern there is obvious. The Ducks, the the, the Ducks, who are apparently now a tax team, are playing fantastic uh, and scoring and not giving up scoring and just doing all the things you do that, would, that make you win 10 games in a row. And then Winnipeg on Saturday – I hate watching games against Winnipeg. <laughs> that is a frustrating team. Very. And they always play the Avs well um, because their, te- their way they play makes the Avalanche stop playing hockey.
1: Right. But uh, they don't have as many NHL players as in the last matchup. Um, Andrew Ladd is gone. Um, that makes them worse right now.
0: For sure. Well, they do have Marco Dano. They do. Who. May may still be having his rookie problems, but will eventually be no slouch.
1: Eventually. But, uh, you know, Avalanche, they need to want it. I mean, <laughs> it's a stupid coach speak, but... Um, well, they need te- to keep
0: their heads I- on. I mean, they say that you got to play your game and blah, 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 that meaningless stuff, but that's actually meaningful against the Jets because that's what they do. The Jets run around on you, and you can't hit Bufflin because he just anti-hits you and then they, their whole team will try to run you over, and then you've forgotten that you're trying to pass and shoot and you're just trying to hit guys back. That's Colorado's problem with the Jets. They need to keep their heads on and play hockey.
1: They do. They need to stop getting caught up in all the – every time the goalie stops the puck, you know, there's some altercation at the net afterward, and the Avalanche can't get sucked into that game. I mean, that's the way they want to play. That's not the way the Avalanche need to play. But Cody McLeod do it every fourth shift, but the rest of you, you gotta you gotta stand the ice. You've gotta score. You've gotta play real hockey.
0: And that's on the road as well, so. In Winnipeg's noisy ass barn. Right.
1: Real hockey arena.
0: So, um, if you had to guarantee one win this week, would it be the Coyotes game? Because that's what mine would be.
1: Yep, me too.
0: And then. Quick question to bring things back to the top, which of our trade targets do you think has been, has had the best impact for the team so far?
1: Give me Budker. Um, Yeah, I mean, even when he's not scoring, he's making a difference. That Gabriel Landeskog goal last night had as much to do with McKinnon, who made the primary assist, but it also had a lot to do with Budker. Him skating low, sucking all that defense in with the speed, he gave Landeskog that wide open shot. And he makes that line really dangerous. You know, I still think he's got a couple goals left in him before the end of the season. And I think he helps that entire line be more productive just by being there.
0: Okay. Um, while I don't disagree entirely with that, my answer to that question would be Sean Mathias. Mm-hmm. Um, for the, the biggest reason being that it split up Landeskog and Soderbergh so that Landeskog can play with McKinnon and can play with Bodker. Right. Um. And that third line has not been terrible on its own either. The Matthias seems to work very well with Soderberg and Como. They have generated some really long offensive shifts, and not just on a forechecking way that the fourth line sometimes does. Like they're actually generating stuff. Yep. Um. They're not going to score a lot. It's going to be Tyson Berry that does it for them. Um. But they that line has worked well together. I think it really
1: has. I mean, it was hard for me not to give that answer myself because I think he's also been really good. Uh, especially on the penalty kill. I think he's very useful there. But um, mostly, I think, behind the net, along the boards. I mean, he's big, he's strong. And, you know, that Como goal uh, against Nashville was as much to do with him as anybody. I mean, he's the one fighting for that puck, and he's the one that makes that pass that eventually gets passed to Como in front of the net. But he's been a terrific piece, I I think, as far as far as rentals go i think he's the one player i I realistically see the avalanche trying to sign in the offseason
0: um wasn't the rumor that they did like that they were already targeting that guy but toronto came in higher
1: i believe that is the rumor and he took the one-year deal in toronto just to get paid
0: well that's that was the dream for pretty much everybody that toronto signed was hey we'll we'll pay you a little bit more than you're probably worth At at the deadline we'll move you to a playoff team Go, yep. go prove that you'd earned that move.
1: He was in a tough spot, too, because he scored a lot of goals when he was in Vancouver. Yeah. And I think that he valued himself as that level of goal scorer where I think most of the NHL doesn't see him quite that way. And, uh, you know, take the money while you can get it, man. He's 26 years old, the prime of his career. Go get paid while you can. Try free agency again next year. And that's what he's going to do.
0: And I would definitely not be opposed to bringing him back because he really helps the Avalanche forward depth, which is poor.
1: Yes, Uh, especially on wing.
0: So bringing him in makes it less poor, and it by default makes the other lines better.
1: Yes, uh, especially the fourth line now that they are definitely the fourth line of the Colorado Avalanche now, and that's where they excel. Um, It's a good fourth line. They're not great third-line players, and they're definitely not second-line players.
0: And uh, Martinson's back in the press box. Right. Who, for all the praise he got at the beginning of the year, has earned all the criticism he's gotten at the end of the year.
1: Right. Um, you know, it's a tough break for him, but, uh, you know, NHL's a tough business, and you've got to play well.
0: Yeah. He, he like, actually reminds me in a lot of ways of the Dennis Everberg phenomenon because Everberg was really good for most of his first season. Right. And then did not bring it back.
1: No. Although he's been pretty good in San Antonio this year. I mean, yeah, he can uh,
0: actually score there. He couldn't score in the NHL.
1: Right, which is his biggest problem. You can't be a third-line player if you are not capable of scoring. You know, he still might have a future on the team. Maybe. Uh, it, it depends on what they do with their bottom lines in the off season here. But, uh, yeah. you know, Everberg could be an NHL player. I think it's been good for him to go to the AHL for a little while. Full year. It's a... Uh, it, you gotta score. You have to be capable of scoring ten goals to play on a third line. Right. I'm not sure he's a true fourth line player either.
0: Right. Has uh, has did Matt Duchene hit thirty this week, or is he just approaching it?
1: Uh, I think that was twenty-seven.
0: I, yeah, he's approaching it then. I couldn't remember if he hit it or not. He's getting close.
1: Yeah, he should. That'd be so. great for his confidence. That that goal against, God. Florida, I guess. I mean, that was just beautiful. (laughs) That was gross.
0: (laughs) I'm I'm watching that like, I can't even stop on hockey skates. What are you doing?
1: (laughs) I mean, uh, you could see that play coming from a mile away as an Avalanche fan. And Florida, just no idea. (laughs) Just sucks that guy as high as possibly can and turns around on a dime. It's beautiful to watch.
0: And then... Picks his way through what every defender?
1: Yep, he doesn't get the first shot off as cleanly as he wanted to, but it almost served to draw the goalie a little further out.
0: Yeah, I want to see him do that again and again and again and again and again and again.
1: Over and over. Get out of his way, just let it happen.
0: Well, with that, I think we will call it a week. We will count on seeing you guys back on the. Same normal day and time next week. If whatever happens with the Avalanche this week, you know you can always find out here and on milehighhockey.com where you can catch the latest Avs news and updates. You can follow us on Twitter at milehighhockey and at facebook.com slash milehighhockey. You can catch the podcast on the site. You can catch the podcast on your favorite RSS catcher, whatever it may be. You can find us on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash milehighhockeypodcast or on MixCloud at mixcloud.com slash podcast or on iTunes, where you can have automatic downloads of the show as soon as it's ready. We usually have it up late Sunday night, but it pushes to the site on Monday mornings. Whatever happens next week, you know you'll see us here. Take care.
1: Oh,
0: what a what a mess! It's. It's 8 o'clock here, and that's generally food time.
1: <laughs>
0: so I'm getting reminded. Loudly.
1: <laughs> On cue? Mm
0: hmm. And now, and actually, my phone's ringing. What a disaster. A little bit of editing. Yeah, this is gonna be a blast. So were, were you talking, or was I?